Well, uh, I know you've been welcomed. Let me welcome you. If you're brand new and you may not know something that's going on right now uh, that you're a part of, you didn't sign up for it, so my apologies. But um, I get to say hello to everyone at our East location because now we get to live stream to all of the locations, even including hello online, wherever you're at, whatever you're doing right now. Uh, So let's give everyone who's not with us specifically, but with us, a hand of applause saying, hey, welcome. Yeah. Uh, We've been doing a series uh, all about men and women. (laughs) We've been talking about not not a marriage series. Uh, It's it's been about uh, what does it mean to be a woman of God? And if you're like, what did you say about that, David? Um, I didn't. My wife did, because it was, it was far better than I would have done. And, and then I talked about being a man of God, and what, what does it look like to be a man of God? And so there's three weeks to this series, and you're a part of the third week. And I've known that I've left something out waiting for this particular moment. It's going to be heavy at first, and then we're going to go lighter and have a lot more fun. But I don't think you've missed something going on in culture. It's likely actually not just going on in culture. You may be having the conversations in your own home, maybe where you work. Uh, If you're a student, it definitely is playing about in your schools. Because when I talk about, when we talk about being a man of God or a woman of God, the world is also talking about, so who makes a man? Who makes a woman? Yeah, we're going to go there. And so I, I, I get asked all the time, David, what do you believe? What's the church's stance? The problem with me answering that question directly is that those who are affected by what I say think I am becoming antagonistic and judgmental. Sorry, I get emotional when I talk about this because I, I want you to hear this. What I'm about to share with you does not disqualify a single person from being a part of our church. You understand that? Hope you understand that. If you interpret it that way, you've misinterpreted the words, but you and I need to have a very straightforward conversation. So what does God say? Not what what does David say? Not what does David believe or what, what have we come up with on our own? What does God say? about man and about woman. So let me share it with you. This is the very beginning of your Bible. If you're new to the Bible, just go to the very beginning and it begins to basically untangle a lot of the confusion in life. Genesis 127. So God created human beings. If you want to know who made us, there's that answer. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, in case you missed the first sentence. Male and female. He created them. So from the very beginning of the Bible, it begins to actually bring up the gender conversation before the news and culture brought it up. Are we clear on this? This, okay. States something very clear there. But let's go to the next chapter, just so that, yeah. Then the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. That, that would start off with amens right there. But anyways, I will make a helper who is just right for him. 
So the Lord God formed from the ground all the wild animals and all the birds of the sky. He brought them to the man, to the man, to see what he would call them. That would have been a lot of fun, whole other sermon. <laughs> and the man chose a name for each one. He gave names to all the livestock, all the birds of the sky, and all the wild animals. But still, there was no helper just right for him. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. While the man slept, the Lord God took out one of the man's ribs and closed up the opening. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib. God could do that kind of stuff. And he brought her to the man. I know this is not politically correct. At last, (laughs) if you want to know what Adam thought. This one is bone for my bone and flesh for my flesh. She will be called woman because she was taken from man. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united into one. Now the man and his wife were both naked, but they felt no shame. According to the Bible, God's best requires both men and women. If you've ever conjured up in your mind the idea that the better world would be all women, you're wrong. If you've done the flip side, where like, well, I know, David, it should be all men, no drama. Oh, just wait. We're going to go there in this sermon. We're going to go there. We're going to go there. What I want you to help, you got to understand, when you read the Bible, the Bible is not intended for you to read it, then twist it and fit it into your own personal worldview. You and I are supposed to read the Bible, and, and listen, I'm, this, I'm a reverend, okay? Don't call me that, but I'm a reverend, okay? I have studied the Bible So much. I I want you to know that I sometimes read the Bible, I close it, and I'm mad at it. If you never close the Bible and are mad at it, then that means you are potentially taking the Bible and twisting it and making it what you want it to be rather than what God intended. And you and I face this. I face this. The Bible says stuff that I don't like. So I'm set up with a quandary. Do I change it then? Do I say, well, then it's no longer relevant because I don't like it. It doesn't fit into my narrative. And so what does this church do and how do we function? How does the pastor of this church, when I write sermons feeling I'm hearing from God, what kind of bias do I have? Here's my bias. I believe that we're supposed to use the word of God to lead us through life. And so you need to know, I'm just going to tell you this, you need to know this. It is designed to be used to lead you through life. It's not designed to beat people up with. And that's why I don't let legislation determine what we preach on. I do my very best to listen to God. And God, in the midst, we're gonna, I, I, I keep telling you because I like to have fun. Uh, we're going to have fun here in a minute. But we've got to address this. 
What do we do with culture telling us that you can be whatever you want to be, whenever you want to be it, and you just live that way, and it's your right to live that way, and it might actually be your right to live that way, but is it the best way? And so I showed you stuff in the Old Testament that talks about how God created uh, man and woman, nothing else, no addition, no subtraction, just man and woman. But I want to take you to in the New Testament, and, and we got to talk about it very quickly. Uh, for we are God's masterpiece. We love this set of verses because uh, if you've ever not feeling good about yourself, this is a great place to go. You're like, okay, I don't like you know what God's done. I don't, you know, I, I wish you would have given me more hair, whatever. So Ephesians two ten, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the things he planned for us long ago. Here's what I want to point out that you may have never paid attention to. For we are God's masterpiece. In other words, we are not our own masterpiece. And this is important. This is weird. I tried to find the weirdest picture, and it keeps coming along my feed in social media. I don't know if it's telling me something or what. I've, I've shared a lot lately about uh, eating differently lately and, and dropping weight and doing different stuff. And, and I think that you and I actually do hold the power and authority and ability and expertise to make our bodies uh, uh, healthy. But there are things about you that God made that you do not get to be the creator of. And when you read that in Scripture, that we are God's masterpiece, I think our culture is dangerously getting close to saying, no, you are the maker of you, and whatever you want to do about you, you ought to do that. And we're losing sight of a God who is so good, so kind, and so perfect, that I think it's the devil's work that... We've started to believe those lies and not realize that God makes us. We are God's masterpiece. Now, with that said, uh, I think you now are clear on our stance. So let me be very clear about this. If you're a part of our church, and you ever make someone else feel uncomfortable because of how they are dressed or whatever they're walking through in life. Technically, I need to tell you, you are welcome here, but you will not enjoy being here. Because we say all the time that anyone and everyone is welcome amongst us, and I want you to know who that includes. That includes people who live differently than you do, who read the Bible differently than you do. Because if there's any environment that I want anyone in is an environment where we worship the one true God, that we open up God's word and we study it together, understanding that every one of us is going through our own stuff. So I get emails, just so you know, David or Fountain Springs Church. I am, fill in the blank, am I welcome in your church? And if you'd like to know the answer we always give, here's what I always tell them. If it goes to my email or if it goes to the general account, yes, tell them they're welcome, or yes, you're welcome, and I will personally save you a seat. But that does not mean that we're like, you do whatever you want, we don't care. God does have a plan. God is the master craftsman. 
And that is how we interpret scripture. Does that make sense to you? Okay. Whew. Okay. Let's take a break. So here's what I want you to do. For 60 seconds, uh, every one of us has heard or said or experienced uh, a cliche about the other gender, right? They always or they never is a good way to get into this. I want you to share one that you know about with the person next to you. Like, hey, we always say this about guys or we always say this about girls. You got about 60 seconds to swap stories of cliches that aren't true, by the way, and just have fun with it. And then we'll regather. Some of you, I think, think this is a setup. <laughs> well, I asked that question on, on purpose. One, most of us can come up with them very quickly. Second, some of us truly believe what we just said. Well, like, actually, it's true. I'm sorry. It just it is. Uh, here's, here's where I want us to start. And, and then Katie and I, uh, by the way, this is my bride. That's I all he's allowed to say. I have a lot of things. <laughs> I have a lot of things. Good job. Uh, here, here's, I ask you that question here. We are mischaracterizing men and women, okay? We are constantly mischaracterizing men and women. We're constantly saying, okay, this about dudes and this about gals? Ladies. Ladies. We are, are mischaracterizing them. And if you watch uh, TV, uh, if you watch uh, movies... I get actually really upset about this, where oftentimes, like, the parents are, are portrayed as, as completely incapable, uh, or specifically the dads are constantly portrayed as, as, like, literally they should not even be inside of the home whatsoever, they're just in the way. And if you watch enough of this, there's a lot of a, like, where we're characterizing each other. We're saying, we're, we're overgeneralizing might be another way to say this. The problem with that is, is if you mischaracterize a person, you have a tendency to cancel that person, to, to kind of put them into the corner. And, and you miss out on what I believe Scripture teaches. Here, based on creation, life without the other gender is incomplete. Now, for those of you who go, see, now I have to get married. No, that's not at all what that says. Based on creation, life without the other gender is incomplete. If you, if you just look at the, at the construct of, of, of creation, it tells us, God says this, that, that he made Adam, he made a guy. And if you study the original language, it talks about how, how God was not like, this is horrible. He uses words that indicate it was incomplete. And so to complete creation, this is key. God says, I'm going to complete creation. I've already made a male. I am now going to make a female. 
So what this should tell you and I is God's plan is that men and women actually help each other rather than fight each other, mischaracterize each other, and go after each other. Rather than say, you be whatever you want to be, according to Scripture, we actually are not designed to go, like, to ostracize each other. That the better version of life is where you and I, whatever gender you are, you are actually helping the other one, rather than being like, yeah, they always, whatever. So let me show you in, in Romans how we can take this. Don't just pretend to love others. Some of you are like, okay, I'll fake it. No, don't just pretend to love others. Really, really love them. Hate what is wrong. You're like, so far I like this. Hold tightly to what is good. How? Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. So how should we conclude a sermon series about men of God and women of God? I think we have to see the connection between helping and honoring. That you and I play a role in helping the other gender. That you and I, are, it's not just about us and life, about making me get all my rights and, 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 and get all my responsibilities all set up. That you and I play a role in taking care of the other gender. Now, there are things in the way of doing this. There are mischaracterizations. mischaracterizations. Good. Thanks. Good job, babe. <laughs> you did it. Thanks. <laughs> there, there are things that get in the way. And so I'm going to stop talking, and I wanted, to, I wanted Katie to, to lead off and, and share what's getting in the way. I dance. I actually threatened the team that I would wear tambourine shoes, and I just want you to know that I didn't, but I did wear an outfit with pockets, so um, I won a little bit. I'm really pumped about that. So the first lie that we're going to talk about right now is that chivalry is sexist. So if you don't know that term, it's probably because it's got some medieval roots. I used to be an ancient civilizations teacher, so we could talk about this all day, but I love you, so we won't. Uh, but chivalry is sexist. It, it, the historical uh, breakdown of it is that it was, it was a long time ago where this idea came where uh, the strong would help the weak. It wasn't about loving your neighbor. It was about the strong helping the weak, right? And so as time has passed, I think we often buy into that lie that uh, as women, we don't want help or we don't need help. Uh, I remember always thinking that, um, well, actually, I could be quoted, probably my husband or any, any male friend that I have, when they would say, hey, can I help you with that? I would say, no, I'm an independent woman. I got it. So I would carry an entire month's worth. <laughs> What'd you just do? I, don't, I didn't snap. I go, hmm. Uh, so, but we buy into this lie that I don't need you because that's saying something about me. So no, do not help me. And I don't know if anybody else does this, but like the whole month's worth of grocery bags would be like this on my arms. And I would have like welts for days because I'm an independent. Now I snapped. I'm Sorry. an independent woman. Sorry. <clears throat> what, what we can turn, what we can tip this over to understand and to see is it's about loving our neighbors and seeing one another. It's not about somebody maybe doing it with strings attached or being nice only because dot, dot, dot. The Bible talks about taking care of one another and honoring one another. And spoiler alert, it's not just something that men are supposed to do for women. It goes both ways. So let's read. We're going to look at Philippians 2, 3. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. 
The power of loving and honoring one another is that we're paying attention. We're being intentional. That is the essence of following Jesus, is that we are intentionally looking out for one another, supporting one another, opening a door. I carried a ladder for a guy the other day. I carried a ladder. The, come on, guys. I carried a ladder. Good job. It's not just a... Thank you. Thank you. Sorry. I'm just really proud of myself because it was a big ladder. Um, we, we have the opportunity and the privilege of, as followers of Jesus to not, to not look at someone wanting to help us as, as a statement about our capacity uh, or helping us as, well, I, I can do it on my own. We're better together. And this scripture speaks to it. And I hope that you believe that, that when we deny someone the opportunity, whether they're a man or a woman, to help us, uh, just because we don't feel like we need the help, we're really robbing them of a blessing to be able to partner with us and support us in service. And as parents, I want my daughter to be intentional and observant enough to be able to hold the door open for somebody and carry something for someone just as much as our sons. And so we, we need to stop buying into that lie. Well, culture right now uh, has the mantra that when you serve someone, you're making a statement about them. Mm-hmm. And so, and they've, they've made it so gender specific because we have such a whole other sermon about sexual stuff. But anyways, oh. sorry. Uh, <clears throat> I just have thoughts. <laughs> and so we, we now are raising up a generation that says that we can't serve each other because by doing so, we're, we're, we're saying something about you, which does not transpose into any other facet of life, mm-hmm. where if you and I saw someone hurting on the side of the road, uh, I think there's something in the Bible about this, that we're supposed to stop and help that person, right? The Good Samaritan. Well, in today's culture, you couldn't stop and help the Good Samaritan because you would be making a statement about that person based on the gender of that person. So you and I, we've got to be willing to say, perhaps the threads in culture are not accurate, and you and I need to dive deeper into Scripture and say, what's really true? What's really going on? And so we're raising our kids to say, when you help another person, you are not all of a sudden sexist. You are not saying that they are weak and incapable. You are saying, I see you. And that's what we want, is I see you. And so, yeah, I tell the boys, open doors. Tell Ellie, open doors. Let's help each other out. I will say, though, if, if there is somebody that is opening a door because they don't think that you can or paying for a meal because, you know, whatever, then they're a goober. They're not chivalrous. They're a goober. And we can help them, too. You can talk to them about that. But we want to be intentional and honor people. Not seeing anyone writing notes about goober. <laughs> it's my favorite word. Here's another lie. Here's another lie. All men are immature. Huh. Some of you are like, why is lie put in front of that? Here's what I think, and I think this is the mischaracterization. I think that we, we are buying what we're, we're, we're fed. And we're saying, well, that's what TV and movies say. And maybe, 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 maybe that's your experience. That the men in your life don't have it together, and so all men are immature. Well, let's start with men should be mature. Okay? In fact, again, we're not, this is not David's school. This is church. In the same way, we encourage the young men to live wisely, and you yourself must be an example to them by doing good works of every kind. Let everything you do reflect 
the integrity and seriousness of your teaching. So this is written about specifically dudes. Like, hey, like be mature. So you should be mature. But if you read other parts of the Bible, maturity is not a gender-specific topic. Philippians. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Notice it, say, it doesn't say, hey, only men. <laughs> Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You see the maturity talk here. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. I, I don't want to spend a whole lot of time here, but stop saying all men are immature. I hope you wouldn't say, I mean, I'm, I'm mature. No. Yeah, you see, are see, very mature. Confirmed. <laughs> but remember how we started, how we need to honor each other. And some of the ways that we honor each other, we stop repeating how we've been fed these lies. We stop repeating and say, you know what? Maturity is important, and it's for everybody. All right, now you can, yeah, this will be fun. Thank you. Um, the next slide. Women have too many feelings. And I want you to know that I have feelings about this. <laughs> but seriously, uh, <laughs> I, I think that the truth is that we all have feelings, but I hear it a lot. I actually wrote some down. I literally wrote some down um, because it, it, it's, a, it's a real thing. Just like TV kind of perpetuates these lies and, and assumptions, there, there are some real things that we can't just avoid. Uh, for men, displaying anger is acceptable and justified. For women, displaying anger makes us irrational. For men, fighting for a good cause shows passion and commitment. For women, it's a sign of being bitter and resentful. For men, crying is a breakthrough, a sign of sensitivity and compassion. For women, it means we're emotional and hormonal. Those are realities, friends, and we all know that, um, which, is, which is why, again, these things get perpetuated. And instead of pulling us together to be able to walk with one another and help one another and encourage, it ends up really just kind of pulling us apart because we get frustrated or annoyed. Uh, Women do have feelings, as they should. Men have feelings, hopefully, right? We're going to talk about that next, as they should. Um, but it's all subjective when we say, well, that's too much, or that's too much. That's not, again, that's not a gender issue. That's, that's an interpersonal issue. And so one of the things that I want to process with you is that our emotions are a gauge. They're not a guide. And the Bible speaks to this in Proverbs. Proverbs 28, 26, whoever trusts in his own mind is a fool, but he who walks in wisdom will be delivered. Our emotions are a gauge. They can help us know where we're at and what we're thinking. They're not a guide. God is our guide. And so one of the things that I would tell you is if you're consistently feeling like you've got a lot of emotions, or if you're consistently feeling like everyone around you has a lot of emotions and you're kind of pointing that out, instead of just pointing and talking about it, lean in and connect with that person and start helping them walk it out. Because again, emotions, emotions are a gauge. They help us know where we're at. In fact, as <clears throat> I want to show you this. Can you see it? It says mood flip book. 
we are in the throes of parenting. And we have our kids, like each one has uh, their own little party going on with the way they see the world and process. But also as parents, sometimes we have to look at this book. Oh, thank you. So like, let's just flip. So you can go through and go, I'm having a lot of feelings. What am I even feeling? And it confused. And then it gives you all of these great things. What we are trying intentionally to not just teach our children, but also ourselves, is that processing what you're feeling is important. Having the tools to be able to figure out, why am I feeling this way? Why do I always dot, dot, dot? Um, And then be able to process it and go to the Lord. Have people around you that you can connect with and communicate with. Uh, But just kind of blanketing a statement that says, all women are this or all men are this is so divisive and dangerous. And, and that, is not, that is not God's best for us. And it's not honoring. No. And I think I'm going to keep bringing us back to this, but it's not honoring. And we are, at least I am really good at overgeneralizing stuff. Uh, and I think for us as a church, what if we became a group of people who said, we're not going to overgeneralize about other people. We're going to honor each other. So the flip side of this is, uh, here's a lie. <clears throat> Men don't have feelings. There was no laughing about that one. <laughs> Because I think some of us, at least I'll talk to the guys, we're, some of us are trained as young boys that, no, you don't have feelings. Don't show your feelings. Hide them. Suppress them. Don't express them. I remember um, having multiple coaches and multiple people in my life like yell at me, stop crying. And I'm like, but it's bleeding. Like, <laughs> like, right? And, but I, I was, but you didn't, we didn't, that wasn't said to the girls. It was, and we're like, okay, so we, we don't. And so many of us, if you don't know this, are raised to think that if we have feelings, then something is actually wrong with us. And so I thought we would examine this, that if you think that men shouldn't have feelings or even express them, let's go to Scripture. Then Jesus wept. I think that's probably just enough. That there's a moment in the life of Jesus Christ that it's documented in the Bible, translated for hundreds upon hundreds of years, this moment in which Jesus showed emotion outwardly. Then Jesus wept. The people who were there uh, standing nearby said, see how much he loved him. What they're saying is, look at the physical display of emotion that this grown man is showing. Meanwhile, at most funerals that I'm at, if a guy cries, He leaves the room, goes to his car. Fascinating. And I think toxic. Uh, More about Jesus. I'll take you to the garden. Then Jesus went with him to the olive grove called Gethsemane. And he said, sit here while I go over there to pray. He took Peter and Zebedee's two sons, James and John. And he became anguished and distressed. The only way for someone to know this, because this is not Jesus saying this, someone's witnessing this. He told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Jesus giving us another example that emotions don't have to stay inside and suppressed, that you're allowed to actually express them. Mark even says it, even a little bit different way. He took Peter, James, and John with him, became deeply troubled and distressed. He told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Jesus himself, I mean, if you want an example, Jesus had emotions and expressed them. Let's stop telling at least our young boys that they're not allowed to talk about 
how they feel. But we go in this pendulum swing, don't we? Where it's like, don't talk about how you feel to drive your life with your feelings. And if you don't want to go that way, that's why oftentimes we, we go to Scripture and say, what do we need to do? So what's our similarity that's in there? Here, men and women both need Jesus. And no matter what culture tells you and I about how many versions of men and how many versions of women there are, no matter what culture says about what you can say and what pronouns can be spoken, what I want you to hear is every human being you ever encounter needs Jesus. It doesn't change our mission. I know a lot of us are getting caught up in like how bad culture is and we don't like it. Oh no, let's just hide our heads and, and, and that's, what do we do, what do we do? I would say this is an opportunity to show people who Jesus is. Instead of, instead of just withdrawing and letting culture have the microphone, what if, we, what if we started showing people who Jesus is? So um, here in a couple of weeks, we're gonna do a sermon series that's all about what if a church cared about people outside of the church. But today, here's what I wanted to do. I wondered if, if any of us would consider actually declaring that we would spend the rest of our lives honoring the other gender. Like, you'll, you'll have a lot of things that you'll spend your time doing. But what if one of the things, one of the commitments in your life, you can have multiple commitments in your life, what if one of them was, you know what, there's a lot of broken things in this world, and I can begin to repair at least one of them by making sure that I honor the other gender. Does that make sense? So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to have Katie pray for you and I. But just like the previous week, I think we should have a bit of an act of courage in the moment. If you would like for her to pray over you, and you're willing to be a person who honors both men and women, I'm going to ask you to stand up, and then Katie's going to pray for you, for those of you who stand up. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much for this day. I thank you so much for this community of people. Um, Father, what a special time where we had the privilege of uh, praying over kiddos in our church body, Lord, and inviting uh, just your truth into their lives, Lord, to commit as, as parents and as uh, a body of believers, Lord, to pray for them and to support them and to serve them. God, what a cool way to just continue to walk this out where we are talking about honoring one another. Father, every single thing that we've discussed happens best in community with you and with other people. And I know that you designed it that way, and we thank you for that. Father, I pray that as we walk out today that you would help us uh, just renew this excitement and passion and commitment to knowing you and to walking with you and to listening to who you say we are. So much, I think, of our confusion and frustration happens because we lose sight of who you've called us to be and uh, what you've said about us. So Lord, first, uh, help us to draw near to you. Help us to want to draw near to you and give that intentional time, Lord, to spend with you and Father, then I would pray that you help us to just look out into the world, right in front of us and around us, Lord, that we would live as people who are intentional about stewarding every conversation and every moment, Lord, uh, to showing people who you are. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would dispel the lies of culture and of the enemy, 
that are putting things in our heart, sowing seeds in our mind, Lord, creating division between us because we've got to do it together. And Lord, uh, there is so much work uh, trying to get us to do the opposite where we are isolated and disconnected and really just assuming the worst. Father, I pray that in the name of your son, uh, those chains that would be broken, those lies uh, would go away, Father, and truth would surface and help us remember who we are and who they are and that we're all better together. God, we can only do it with you, and we thank you and praise you that you are already with us in it. But Father, I pray that you would give us courage. I pray that you would give us a willingness uh, to be okay with maybe being turned down if we ask to hold a door open for someone, or if we lean in and say, hey, you've got a lot going on. Do you want to talk about it? Father, if that is met with frustration or anger or, or just in a way that we don't want, Father, I pray that you would help us to be resilient as we seek to serve you and be okay if it's a no in that moment, Lord. But I also pray that you would give us the diligence that if our offers are accepted, Lord, that we would do it with honor and excitement, Lord, just help us. We love you. We know that we need you, and we are thankful that you already meet us right where we are. And Father, I pray that you would help us to do the same with the people in our lives that we know and those that we do not. Lord, that we would just remember who you are and remember who we are and go out into the world and bring all of that to the people that are out there that we know and don't. God, we love you, we thank you, and I am just so honored to be a part of this community, Lord. We thank you for what you are doing. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can be seated.